whenever you're ready. And should I look there or anywhere? Institute. In situ. Yeah, it's uh, in situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. That is so good. In situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. Okay, so in situ. In situ is the name of the European platform for artistic creation in public space. Led by Lieu Public, we are based in Marseille, France. And in this podcast, you will hear the voices of our members who live and work all across Europe. Nature, social justice, cultural identity, digital spaces, communities, regeneration of places. Each episode will bring a specific topic of conversation between three of our members, a partner, an associate artist, and an associate citizen. Uncommon Spaces is the name of our current project, and we welcome you to the In-Situ podcast. In this episode, we'll discuss the topic of communities. Lucille Geoffrey is the associate citizen from La Seine Nationale de l'Essonne, France. Florent Memiti is our partner in this episode. He's the director of Oda Théâtre in Pristina, Kosovo. And Abigail Broad from 600 Highwaymen is the associate artist of Flint Center in the USA. This conversation was recorded remotely from behind our computers, so we asked all participants to start with a presentation of themselves, starting with our artist Abigail from 600 Highwaymen. My name is Abby Browdy. I am half of the duo uh, 600 Highwaymen. I work with Michael Silverstone. Um, we make live performances, um, mostly in a theater context, and we are based primarily in New York in the United States. Um, our work tends to gather unexpected groups of people in um, surprising ways. Sometimes we work with text, sometimes we work with no text and just choreography. Um, sometimes the work exists without performers and just as an installation uh, of participants or attendees. Um, I think that we are most interested in, um, in how to create the feeling of liveness, um, how to capitalize on what live performance does that no other art form does, which is create fleeting and ephemeral um, sense of presence. Um, We've been working since 2009 together, and um, our work has been translated into a variety of languages at this point. And um, though we're based in New York, we tend to tour and um, engage with partnerships all over the world. None of our performances or our projects operate by formula, and we never operate from a sense of a repeatable structure of creation. Um, always in process. We're doing something new. I think Michael and I are always um, most interested in that which is mysterious to us and that which we don't know how to do. We are constantly putting ourselves as sort of amateurs in our own processes. It changes from piece to piece and whenever I find myself making sort of like a statement about all of our work, I, I start to talk myself into a circle because it never applies for everything. Um, one of the things that, at least for me personally, 
is the most attractive about the live art form is the social aspect of it, is the creation of community, um, that, that you form a, cre- a community in your collaboration uh, in, your, in the process of making, and then you form a community, the audience or, or attendees are a community, and then you form this sort of greater experience of all three of these groups coming together, or all two of these groups coming together creates a third thing. I think that we tend to gather groups of people together where we can, as much as possible, eliminate a sense of hierarchy in the room, eliminate an expert, eliminate um, the sense that one person here knows this and someone else doesn't. Um, But instead, is this a place where everyone from whatever their background or experience or whatever they're bringing into the room is valuable? And through our work together, the project becomes our common language. Um, we don't have a pre-existing shorthand of, uh, of how to work together. Actually, this is, we're going to find our way through this together. And I think that's how we build a community in our um, creative process. My name is Florent Mehmeti. I am the director of Oda Theatre, which is an independent cultural organization that uh, is founded in 2003. So this year we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. We are a, a theatre-based cultural organization with a, with a venue that we have been running for these 20 years in central Pristina doing a, a seasonal programming of primarily theatre work uh, that we produce ourselves, but also uh, other partners. We have a, quite a strong pillar of our work that is dedicated for public space. The majority of this work is actually within our partnership with in situ. Uh, we have a, a small festival in summer called Hapu, opening up with communities, opening up with artists, opening up with um, artists in the wider European scale, and also opening up are artists that uh, want to uh, work in public space, that want to challenge themselves uh, to choose the public space as their playground or as their common meeting point with their audiences or with their communities. Our very first show was a big big parade uh, that we did with a French company called Malabar that doesn't exist actually anymore. And this is back in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. And people on the street, without knowing me, came to hug me and thank me for transforming the city on that night. Uh, This for City of Pristina was really a very large show. Um, Just to have an idea, it was something like 25 meters giant insect with a band on top of it, with uh, bouncing stilt workers and with a lot of fireworks which in comparison with the French culture that very rarely happens in the Balkans in general uh, because public space is not really seen as a as a place where you would uh, put artistic creations in more meaningful way. I'm uh, Lucille and I'm the associate citizen from the Seine Nationale de Lesson uh, in uh, Evry-Courcouronne, France. I'm uh, producer uh, of a project that is named Ethno and that gather uh, young traditional musicians uh, to create ephemeral orchestras. And it's all about tradition, traditional music, 
and the traditional culture that you bring together. What we feel um, today that makes this project relevant is um, probably that uh, bringing people together when most part of the political and uh, people that lead the countries, they try to separate people. That, that's really the feeling that we have. And uh, especially uh, traditional music, uh, traditions, uh, this is something that uh, are used by nationalists. Some people, they, they, they would say that it's a uh, stick somewhere in the past when it's uh, definitely totally alive because some uh, young people, they still uh, compose uh, traditional music. We really uh, experiment almost every day that the project is relevant, bringing together uh, uh, young people from all around the world that uh, truly wants to uh, kindly share things because uh, we need each other to live together. We need to be strong in that uh, question of being a community. What gathers us? Uh, what are we looking for? Where are we going together? Those questions, they are really strong today for us. And I've, I would say that, that we need it. So after the gathering, most part of the time, we feel a bit lighter, a bit uh, happier, more uh, also connected to the world. We are social um, animals. Most part of the hearts, they have a, a responsibility to give the, the people the place to be part of something. You know, A Thousand Ways is really specific because it's a... Um... These are actorless performances that we made over the last few years. It's a set of three performances. Um, so it exists in three different installments. Um, and the performance exists in a series of instructions that changes form from over the course of the three parts. Part one of A Thousand Ways exists as a phone call. So two audience members call into a shared phone line and there is a pre-recorded um, Sort of robotic voice that guides the two people on the phone line to create this performance together, responding to one another and responding to a set of, of, of audible prompts. Um, uh, part two is two people in, a, in an empty room together, guided by a set of note cards sitting across a table from one another. And part three is a group of, of 16 strangers coming into a room together, um, also guided by a sort of shared script that exists on note cards and that script is like a set of instructions or directives, and it helps the audience create um, this experience together. But besides the stack of note cards, there's no one in the room who is um, guiding, instructing, teaching, leading. In that sense, you know, we don't control who's coming into the room together. Um, these are people who don't know each other. You never learn everyone's name. You don't know what kind of... Uh, of background the person next to you has. You have no idea what language they speak. You don't know their personal history, but you have sort of silently agreed by entering in this room and being a part of this performance that you are going to find your way through this thing together. Um, maybe you follow the instructions on the cards and maybe you don't, but, but the ecology of this group will be completely unique um, from the next group that does the performance. Um, I think that the ephemerality of performance in in multiple 
um, instances is what makes it beautiful. It's that the performance itself is gone, that we as a community who have come together to either see or enact or witness this performance, then we disappear. Like nothing is lasting. And, and that's what makes it um, annoying. <laughs> that's what makes it frustrating. It's also what makes it beautiful. I talk about this specific parade because this was a start for me personally as an artistic director was a, a, a an eye-opening moment that there is something very rewarding in terms of interventions in public space and when I say rewarding I, I mean that you are in a much bigger service to the audiences and to, to this community that is uh, enjoying the transformation of the city the transformation of the public space and this created this core community then that a lot of work was dedicated to. But then, of course, for uh, when we started to be more structural in our, uh, in our approach and in our programmation and in our European partnership about artistic creations in public space, we went and, and discovered and rediscovered communities. In many of our uh, works and in many of our projects, we really worked with the very edges of the of the population, this this sometimes very fragile and uh, unsupported uh, communities. Uh, the, our associate artist, uh, Donika Rudi, that is within in situ, is working now with, uh, with the community of the deaf people uh, or with people with healing disabilities. It was with the help of the sign language, the words that were spoken were also uh, part of the part of the performance and could create this communication with this very specific community. Then yeah, I can mention a lot of examples of the of the what I'm calling ed edges of the society, this these communities. And something which was also for us rewarding lately that we worked with a, a community of seventy years old woman and older, which we uh dis discovered or rediscovered I would say, uh thanks to uh, another institute artist her work was basically a choreographic work with an elderly woman. The project was called uh, Silver Boom. Uh, the artist is Anna Anderek. Uh, we discovered this loneliness of this community, let's say. When we had workshops, one of the strong statements that came, uh, they, uh, one of the particip participants said that they feel like they don't belong anymore to public space. They feel like a burden. Uh, so that's why we wanted a little bit of a reclaiming of a public space by them. The ladies started to dance just uh, randomly. And our photographer did a 30-second video clip, which went then viral because it was really a strong image, especially for our audience to see ladies in the 70s wearing very bright color with a super makeup and dancing with Amy Winehouse. Uh, so for me, this is another answer of what is community, because I think by working with a community that is kind of our choice, we're also creating different layers of communities around them uh, that is disseminating the ideas that we want to disseminate, that is touching uh, these conjunctions points in public space, but also in a virtual public space in terms of communication. Uh, Pristina, I uh, went there uh, 20 years ago, but actually uh, my uh, most uh, uh, impressive experience was uh, three months ago when we were uh, meeting there again uh, 
with the in-situ emerging artists. Uh, thanks to Florence that uh, did uh, welcome us the best. Uh, we have to say that it was really an amazing experience. And uh, what I uh, what I keep from uh, that is um, this uh, really wild question: that is, uh, what is a public space during war? Florence was talking quite a lot about that, but uh, this is uh, really a question, and uh, he was uh, giving us some uh, clues from his experience. Um, what I keep from Pristina is that really we have the chance to have public space and uh, we should uh, use it as much as possible. In April of 2023, we organized the in-situ hothouse in Pristina. There was a, a meeting to introduce 20 new artists coming into the network, emerging artists, so we had also a number of associate artists and associate citizens accompanying this group of artists. In addition to that, we also had all the partners of Institu. So in general, it was a large meeting. Uh, in, the, in the activities during the week, actually, we had also the chance to a little bit discover through my, my presentations and interventions, actually, uh, the, the public space of Pristina, which is a bit different than any other Western European public spaces because it's quite heavily charged in terms of of the connotation of the history of it. Uh, basically, it's a public space where people uh, gain their freedom through protests, which were not always peaceful. There were people dying. There's a lot of uh, little memo memoirs of, of the people that were killed during demonstrations. And this is a, an ongoing uh, history started from the 60s and then again in the 70s and 81 was a big demonstration of students. So I'm talking about demonstrations because this is really a heavily ch charged public space with that. So whenever, even when we are present with our activities, the first guess of some audience that don't know what is going on is, the question is, is it a protest? What they're protesting about? It has pluses and minuses. It creates for us also an environment that it's sometimes very interesting to intervene with. And that is also a, a point where we can also create communities because for some people, some certain public spaces have a much different importance, different feeling. Sometimes it's quite emotional also. Uh, and sometimes it's also this feeling of the joint action, and especially during the 90s talking about Milosevic regime that, that started about four wars in ex-Yugoslavia with a lot of casualties, uh, where public space was our, our battlefield. What well, was really amazing it, it's, uh, it's that it was bringing some question of, of what is being a community. Do we want to gather communities or why do we need to feel belonging to communities? So there was more uh, questions I didn't have from my own experience before. And so in that sense, that was uh, really interesting. But uh, I went back home with more uh, questions than uh, answers, I have to say, talking about uh, all, all of this. By example, I'm still wondering if you gather to watch a show or something, can we say that we are a community Be just because we are looking at the same uh, direction together? I'm not sure. 
So what happened that at, there is a turning point that at some point a crowd become a community. So more uh, questions than answer, I think. Well, I, I like the question just because we're looking in the same direction. Are we a community? And my immediate response was, of course we are. Yes. And that's like a simple method of unification. Uh, we are not experiencing the same thing. We are absolutely, definitely not even seeing the same thing. Uh, even if we're talking about a very traditional experience of sitting in a theater and looking up onto the same stage where you're sitting, you have a different view from where I am sitting. Your experience makes you look at it a different way from what I am seeing. Um, but it, then it made me think of like the moment something goes wrong in a theater. Um, you know, someone in the audience is sick or faints and all of a sudden someone in the audience has to yell, stop the show. We need it. You know, we need a doctor and and everyone stops and the people around that person come together and, um, you know, help take care of whomever is ill and get them what they need. And maybe the show continues and maybe it doesn't. But that happens because we're in this 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 public space together. And maybe because I am wary of when the word community is used to imply that we all have to feel the same thing or have the same opinion. Um, I don't think this is because I am American and coming from a United States context, I, I would imagine this is more than that or, or a global um, question, but I am apprehensive about like-mindedness and the idea that I'm only going to enter into communities with people where I share the same belief system where I share the same values, where I share the same opinions, because I think that feels, especially at the moment, feels very dangerous. It feels like an, a, um, an exacerbation or an uh, intensification of what um, the digital world has, has done to our sense of dialogue and done to our sense of um, attention and listening to and being with people, uh, which is, I only see the people on my Facebook feed who click on this thing. And I only see this stuff that's been being fed to me. And I'm only digesting what um, news sources I uh, attend. So the sense of isolation from others who are looking at the same facts through a completely different window um, feels very suspect to me. And, and I do think that the word community gets used to imply that we have to agree. And I think that isn't it exciting when, um, where it can be a place of friction strong relationships could be formed just by experiencing something together. It's crucial why we are coming together, be it as an audience or connected virtually or, or how, what is bringing us together and the context of the time and the, and the place, it creates a big difference, right? Uh, for me. And uh, I think now more as a programming brain, 
This is where we're trying to navigate, yeah, to discover and rediscover places, times, and contexts to bring people together, to bring these communities together. Um, it's exciting to be um, in a in the in situ network because um, I think it's important to be in spaces where, as a as an American, you are not the dominant voice at the table. In the same way that I think that it's important to do that as as white people too, to not be in the you know where where are places where you can subvert your the the dominance that has been sort of like falsely awarded to you um you know the american imperialism is wide and pervasive and here we are all speaking in english and um i think it makes us aware of what parts of our process and our conversation that we are so frequently having we realize oh that's actually a very american thing that, that like we're that thing that we're starting that's become part of our nomenclature or part of our sort of internalized questioning or process is actually really American. And so, of course, it helps us just become aware of that. It helps us break away from certain things. Um, something that is happening in the United States is, or, or something that has happened with our work, I feel, is that the way that we work with people and, and, and I, I sort of shudder Every time I say the word community, I have a little knee jerk because the in in the United States, I think the word community gets used as a shorthand to mean art that is somehow intended for a therapeutic means and actually uh, as a therapeutic means to an end, like that's the goal. And so it gets that there's this idea that there's a separation of something has can have artistic rigor or it can be for community benefit, but it cannot be both. And um, I find that to be super problematic. And it's it's actually been a limitation, I think, in the United States with some of our work is that we've had relationships with presenters that find us too community-minded. Been an interesting part of this conversation for us is like to not feel like we have to parse these things apart or apologize or make a strong sort of like case for work that is doing both uh, something social and can be uh, of value and artistic rigor and of, of a sort of um, respected merit, I guess. Well, the, the word community is quite tricky in France. And uh, in that way, uh, Abby, I was uh, feeling that you were uh, quite a uh, European uh, mindset friend, kind of, <laughs> because uh, actually as a social worker, I was quite working with uh, young people. And um, I think what we were trying to do is uh, to kind of fight against uh, communities in a way. To, to build a, a, a bigger, uh, more open, uh, more uh, less uh, discriminating community that would be like a national community. And in a way, uh, we are using this word because there is uh, no really other word that we could use, but maybe this is not the best. And in France, it has quite a religious connotation. So it's also, you know, slippery to use this word. What I would say is that uh, 
in situ as a community is uh, interesting because it's quite uh, an open community in the sense that it's really open to to gather people to bring question and to to dream together what could be the common uh, future kind of so in that sense i'm happy to be part of it Rosalie Gonzalez and Wafa Mesbawi have been coordinating this podcast. And Jeanne Robet has been editing it. This podcast is co-founded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation.